Good day, everyone. My name is Angel Dialwis. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Access. Full details of our business management courses can be found in ultimateaccess.net. Good day to you all. In today's podcast, our guest is Kasun Abewodana. Welcome, Kasun. And uh, I'd like you to introduce yourself to all of us. Thank you, uh, Anju. So, uh, as Anju said, my name is Kasun. Um, I'm a senior finance uh, professional in the oil and gas uh, industry. I have worked uh, in quite a number of uh, countries in uh, Asia, Africa, Middle East, uh, Europe, uh, North America, uh, and uh, and the CIS uh, countries. I'm a, a fellow member of the Chart Institute of Management uh, Accountants, and I'm very happy to share some of my experience with you on this podcast. Thank you, Kasun. Well, you have definitely traveled far and wide. And I think, uh, you know, a topic that you have spoken about to me quite a few times is this peripheral vision. And peripheral vision in relation to risk management, particularly. This is not a concept that we have heard much. Can you explain what is the concept of peripheral vision? Thanks, uh, Anju. Yes, it is indeed uh, something that I have taken quite an interest uh, in uh, after it was propagated by professors Day and and, uh, Shoemaker. Just think about the recent global events no sophisticated risk management system could have anticipated or mitigated uh, the risks. However, by using the concept of peripheral vision, i.e. watching out for weak signals or early triggers that we generally tend to ignore, I think we can sharpen our risk mitigation strategies. The problem in the new dynamic business environment is that risks don't appear in the way we had originally envisaged it in our risk management matrix. For example, we have risk management strategies to say, counter a price war by a competitor and we watch the competitor's price movement. But the issue is that the price war could come from an entirely new stimulus that is not even recognized as being within the current industry horizon. And this is where peripheral vision and early weak signals come into play. Take, for example, the advertising industry several years back. TV and print media were leading. However, no one really paid much attention to Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms to be in in competing in the advertising space. However, they turned out to be the biggest advertisers. Facebook alone posted 20 billion in advertising revenues in just one quarter, which is Q3 2020. Did TV and print media see this coming? Probably not. Peripheral vision is about recognizing weak signals on the edges of an organization as early as possible and interpreting them in a way that it gives you useful insights to managing risks. Early signals are emerging narratives. The problem is that these weak signals cannot be mapped on a two-by-two probability impact matrix. It is rather an art than a science 
to interpret the the signals in the current environment no risks are going to appear on your horizon the way we had mapped it on that two by two matrix professor venkata raman from boston university says weak digital signals may emerge initially as blips but they can grow very quickly to transform the very foundations of an industry weak signals are seemingly random or disconnected pieces of information that at first appear to be background noise but can be recognized at, as part of a significant pattern by viewing it through a different lens or connecting it with other pieces of information and and therein lies the the, the problem with the weak signals because it comes across as noise and we tend to ignore it let me i think uh, if i go into a, an example of weak signals it will become uh, much more clearer to us a couple uh, visiting from montreal in canada arrived at the kicking horse mountain resort near british uh, columbia again in canada for skiing they set off to ski in the back country and veered off to areas out of bounds at the resort an off duty ski guard who was ski touring in the area on 17th of february alerted the private heli ski company of sos signs and strange tracks he had spotted on snow the resort was contacted to check if there were reports of any missing skiers the search and rescue team that was also alerted to the strange tracks checked for any unreturned rental skis and missing persons reports but finding no evidence they didn't start a ground search the ski guide four days later on 21st of february returning from a ski trip found two more sos signs and notified the heli ski company again which reported the sighting this time to the police in the area the police checked with the local search and rescue team which said that the case had already been investigated and there were no missing people in the area and it was abandoned on 23rd of february the couple was reported to the montreal authorities by the family when they failed to return home from their ski trip on 24th of february a pilot of a heli ski company spotted a fourth sos in the snow and he noticed a man waving his arms the man was eventually rescued after 10 days in the cold with severe frostbites and injuries due to related exposure his wife unfortunately didn't survive the ordeal the debate was on as to whose fault it was the local police or the search and rescue team whose responsibility was it to interpret and investigate the early weak signals and and the debate is still on kasun that is a definitely a very sad story but that kind of gives uh, we kind of reflect on things related to companies as well if you look at uh, one of the tools as finance professionals that we should know is data analytics i think to get this peripheral vision do you think data analytics can be a tool that we can use and i think that interpretation 
is very important in this context absolutely absolutely let me give you another example which is more related to uh, an organization and more related actually to to the finance function um, i know this uh, case quite well so i can uh, I, i can speak about it uh, much more uh, elaborately so the finance manager of a major conglomerate in africa noticed an unusual transaction in sap when she logged into the system first thing in the morning and by the way she was she was she was a external recruit to the company at that time but since she was busy she let it go to be investigated later when she logged in later the transaction was perfect there was no telltale signs that she saw in the morning however her curiosity got the better of her and she kept digging for a few weeks and she uncovered a multi million dollar fraud that someone in the finance organization by the way together with two others in the same organization had been committing for over two years this definitely was a weak signal that she could have easily ignored because later when she checked in on on sap uh, it had disappeared uh, however she uh, she decided to 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 go after it and to interpret what that weak signal uh, could potentially be however many of us in our busy daily routines uh, we take we tend to ignore this kind of uh, this kind of weak signals or early warning signs another one i think that we can all relate to uh, back in 2008 is that uh, many great companies like Bastons, Lehman Brothers, and Merrill Lynch missed the signs of the collapse of the financial markets in 2008, underlined and driven by a collapse of the subprime market, the housing bubble, uh, nearly sending them completely bankrupt. There were many early danger signals, early weak signals about the housing bubble. Yet these signals were largely ignored. by those great financial players because either it didn't align with their group think or they were so weak to interpret how come you would ask right these are long standing organizations with very sophisticated risk analysis and management systems recruiting the brightest minds from the top universities however even at the dizzy heights of the financial markets in 2007 a few people did read and interpret the weak signals in the market around subprime mortgages they looked at the same data available to everyone however they looked at it differently due to better identification of those weak signals they reviewed their risk management strategies and mitigated the risk by either getting out of the market or they shorted the market some of these companies that really saw the subprime mortgage market coming down were goldman sachs warren buffett and a few others and they made quite a lot of money by doing so or they completely avoided going bankrupt why do you think organizations fail to identify and act on the weak signals and also i want to i want your views on the ethical perspect as well because you did mention uh, some of these uh, 
big companies. Of course, you know, they crashed and burned, but they did have fantastic uh, people leading the analytics side. They had the correct tools. So, well, from an ethical perspective, did they uh, think otherwise? That's that's a good question. I think uh, since uh, the the two thousand and eight uh, market crash and and a few other uh, issues prior to that, there has been quite a bit of uh, uh, research in this area as to why uh, organizations uh, fail to identify some of uh, these weak signals, but also particularly what people have to play, the role that people have to play in this uh, in this area. Um, and some of the things that come across very clearly are that the organizations are very narrowly focused on the task at hand. And most of them are internally focused and they are not good at picking up weak signals that provide the early warning signs. You know how it is. Uh, we, we get to work. We have certain things that we need to deliver. And we, you know, we tend to go down that straight line. We, we have no time in, during the day to look elsewhere. Even if, even if they recognize these signals, organizations, uh, because of their sophistication, because of their governance structures, wait for more concrete trend data before taking action. Um, and and that's, that's how the governance structures of big companies are uh, set up these days. There's also the, the concern around biases. Yeah? Mostly, we tend to confirm uh, our own biases that forces us to ignore these weak signals and jump to the most convenient conclusion because that's aligned with our thinking, that's aligned also with our group think, uh, including how our peers think. The other, I think the, the big reason is that the signals are filled with so much of confusing noise, which makes it very difficult to interpret. And, and of course, uh, finally, the, the, the organizational job descriptions, the hierarchy, the reward systems don't really support employees to, to go out and identify weak signals and, and act on them. There's also in the current environment with uh, the information overload, which makes it even more difficult to identify what is really important and what needs pursuing and what is really noise. There's so much of information that come at us uh, that makes that uh, really difficult. I, I think what's interesting is, according to an MIT uh, article uh, carried out by uh, two professors, uh, fewer than 20% of global companies have sufficient capacity to spot, interpret, and act on weak signals of forthcoming threats and opportunities. I think that tells a uh, a very clear story of, of where the problem lies. Thank you, Kasun. It's a great session, very thought-provoking. And uh, I look forward to our next podcast where you will talk about the tools and implementation of this concept in organizations. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you found this session useful. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Access and I'm your host, Andrew Dialvis. Thank you.